0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Firesider. A health tonic based on the traditional New England cure all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit Firesider.com.
0: I'm Aaron Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit Heritage Radio for thousands more.
1: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll Lord knows that country.
2: Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And my guest today, I actually met on a bus, drinking Fernet on a trip down to Philadelphia uh, years and years ago, and... She she led in with kind of a, <laughs> a sideways comment because my my uh, previous uh, job title was bar director. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're Damon from uh, Prime Eats. You, you know, you're the bar director there. Right. Well, you do you, you say action and cut. <laughs> I don't
3: think it came out like
2: that. <laughs> you said it like that. But I immediately I was like, no, yeah, I like you. um so that that was the beginning of our friendship
3: (laughs) and now we're neighbors
2: and now we're neighbors which is great and you have since then you've been extremely busy that was probably in like 2009 or so
3: yeah i think 2009
2: yeah and uh yeah it was a u.s uh bartenders guild trip and uh had a fun time down there in philadelphia
3: it was fun and messy as you'd expect it was messy
2: (laughs) we uh Took some of that Fernet that we were drinking on the bus and put it in Blue Coat Gin bottles, which we sealed up. That was they loved it. They they loved it. Yeah, they were real happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always fun to sneak uh, some other booze into another distillery. Um, but yeah, you've been extremely busy since then. Of course, you you run Rain's Law Rooms, both Rain's Law Rooms, and. Uh, and also the lovely, uh, Irving Plaza, or, uh, it's next to Irving Plaza. I have played Irving, there for, where you get a Irving. cocktail after yeah.
3: Irving
0: Plaza. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, I've done both. I've done before and after in different sessions. Um, and you recently opened, uh, a Tribeca spot, the new spot called the Bennett.
3: Yep. The Bennett just opened last week on the 23rd.
2: So you've been, you've got a lot of things going on. I've clearly. been
3: making a lot of drinks.
2: You're making a lot of drinks. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, I haven't had a chance to go to the Bennett yet, but I've been to Deer Irving. I've been to Rain's Law Room. Uh, Deer Irving I was just there on Monday night hanging out with you. We did that uh, Domain de Canton night, which was really a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so tell us about yourself, Megan Dorman.
3: Uh, well, I call myself Mother Hen because now <laughs> I have a lot of bar kids to look after. Um, my main job is to make sure these bars are fun and magical and the drinks come out right every time and that we retain some really good staff and we do something cool in this city that has thousands and thousands of options.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's really cool because the, the first Brains Law Room was such a unique setup compared to your standard like bar setup in, well, not just New York City, anywhere, you know? Can you tell us a little bit about it, like the, the process of setting that up?
3: Yeah, so I was hired to be on the opening staff of Rain's Law Room through Craigslist. So just a happy coincidence that I,
2: That's crazy. I can't even <laughs>
3: ended up where I am. Um, and Michael McElroy from Milk and Honey helped us open with the first menu and training us all. Um, I didn't have that much to do with the design, which is kind of half speakeasy, half grandma's apartment, like really lush, velvety, antique-y. The bar is low. It's meant to feel like a counter, so you have more interaction. It's really small and cozy. So our job really was to make that setting work as a bar, which is super weird. And when I train people, I have to take myself back seven years and say no, you haven't worked at a bar like this. This is how we work. But it's really fun because we there's always two bartenders and it's like a team setting. Everyone helps each other because the freezer is kind of in this corner that you can't reach and the bar is low and there's limited space. But it really makes you work as a team and the guests enjoy it because they see both people interacting and working on these drinks and making everything run in this tiny, small setting.
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's... It you know, like when you when you make drinks at home. It's kinda it kinda reminds me it's of It's like
3: having, you know, you know seventy five friends over every night.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean like before before getting into that, like how did you navigate your way into I mean, you said Craigslist, which I think is it just blows my mind. To see like to see the Rain's Law Room and you at the helm from the beginning, uh and where your career's gone, it's really Amazing to me that, like, it's like a Craigslist <laughs> success story. Yeah. So what, what were you, I mean, clearly that wasn't like your first bar job.
3: Right. I, well, my first job was at Friendlies. If you grew up in the Northeast, mm-hmm. you know the ice cream store. <laughs> at when You could bartend when you turned 18. So I got a job at this sports bar, TK's American Cafe in New Haven, where I bartended all through college for this awesome woman who just... Ran an awesome bar and taught us a lot about the business because I think in bars you can work for some great people and you can work for some real dodgy people. And I had a good experience first that set me up for some other jobs. When I moved to New York, I did a lot of assistant work in music and fashion and publishing and just kind of doing some different creative stuff that some I loved and some not so much. And I'd always bartend on and off when either I was working freelance or I needed extra money. Um, And I started drinking, like, at Death & Company in Little Branch. And I read books on my own and made drinks at home. And what I really saw is that these bars had the same staff. Like, you never really saw that much turnover. Sure. And I was like, I want a home like that, you know? I want to work somewhere and, you know, help things continue and improve things and not just feel like I'm clocking in and out all the time. And that's, like, when I was looking, Rain's Law Room is what popped up for me.
2: Yeah. I mean it's it is a very nowadays it's much different you yeah. know than than the times you're speaking of because it used to be yeah you would see the same people there all the time nowadays a lot of a lot of those bartenders have moved on to open up their own places or they've kind of like moved into brand jobs or they're still at those same places but like right. you know you, you do see a lot of bartenders popping around a lot these days
3: Yeah which is hard now for me 7 years later like opening places and trying to give people responsibility, but hoping that they'll stay and become an asset because people don't always think about the time and money that you put into training someone to make them like a great part of a bar. You know, you don't walk in the first day and be the best. You know, it takes yeah. time.
2: Yeah, that is absolutely true. I mean, one of my things is like, you know, for for me, I'm like from when I'm a customer, you know, I, you know, I want to be around for my customers, you know, I don't want my bartenders to do the same, you know. And also, I, I just don't like to hire people that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a process that I don't like to go through. I'd le- I'd like to focus on other aspects of the business. But, um, but yeah, it's it's for the customers too. It's like going in and seeing your favorite bartender, knowing that they're going to be there. You know, it's
3: yeah, and that's how bars get better. Is, you know, you know, at Rains or Deer Irving, it's eight or ten or twelve people like all putting in the effort and listening to what the guest wants and what the neighborhood tells them, you know, it's never just me. It's a lot of information and people processing it and saying, this is how to make this bar better every day.
2: Yeah. What were some of the, the books that you were reading? You know, like you mentioned, you're reading some books before. Um, what were some of the ones that you kind of latched on to?
3: Well, I remember when the first imbibe version came out, the Savoy of course was a big one. Um, I loved um, Charles Baker and the books of that was more travel and people enjoying cocktails and the weird stories that yeah. went with them. Because at that time, I was just making drinks at home more and pouring beer at work.
2: Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's you can read recipes all day long. It right? gets yeah. a little tedious, but it's
3: cool to be like, oh, that? you just jumped off your sailboat and made this drink on yeah. the beach.
2: Yeah, that's that's way cooler. Yeah, I want your life. Yeah, there's um, there's a a great. Uh, I mean, you can get into, like, the Hemingway stuff, like Movable Feast and stuff like that, but uh, there's a a really great book. It's from Penguin Publishing. I think it's Ian Gately who wrote it. It's called Alcoholica Esoterica, and it's just all anecdotal stuff about drinking. It doesn't really necessarily go into, like, cocktail specs or anything like that. It's like, this is the story about this giant wedding where they filled the whole fountain with champagne and they had waiters rowing around in boats and ladling out champagne for the guests. It's, like, so crazy, but... I don't know if it's true. One but of my
3: favorite quotes is not actually from a cocktail book, but Diana Vreeland, who was one of the first fashion editors, I think of Harper's Bazaar, but she had a biography about her and she had this saying about a woman that was living really well. You'd see she got a champagne gin. So the champagne gin meant you were like living life well. And I was like, all right, I'll take a champagne gin. Champagne <laughs> I like that.
2: I've got, I don't even, it came to see my chin. Um, A lot of champagne under there. It's 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 the high life, champagne and beers. Um, Yeah, dude. Well, you know that's funny because you mentioned that there was like you were going to Death and Company and like I always liked that they in their menu they'd always have like quotes, yeah, quotes, and that just made me think of that. But so okay, when you were when you were going to uh, when you're going to Little Branch and hanging out, uh, what were what was like your go to drink? What would you and who was also who was your bartender?
3: Um, well, I would see Sammy all the time before we were really friends, which is funny. I remember Joaquin giving me like a recipe for a drink at Death & Company before, you know, we were ever super friendly. It was just like a guest experience and they had this like spicy tequila drink that I just love, but I did not understand how it worked. And, you know, he just explained it to me, which was awesome.
2: Joaquin was my first bartender at Death and & Company and he, I I ordered a Ramos Shin Fizz like an asshole. It was like that was a long time ago. Uh but I've he was he was more than happy to, to make it for yeah. me. And then after that he was like, Let me make you another Norn style Norn style drink He made me the uh the Latin Quarter and uh which is like a rum Sazerac kind of variation. which is delicious. And uh and now he's also one of our neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> so I see him a lot these days. Um
3: He's your neighbor, Grand Army.
2: Yeah, he's like 46 steps away he counted one night <laughs> <laughs> I, I still haven't counted steps to my house But it's pretty close
3: it's not bad You have a good commute It's a,
2: it's decent it's decent It's like a 10 minute walk um, Something to be said about living close to your bar though Like I know like
3: I don't know what that's like. You gotta pop,
2: <laughs> pop over on that F train or or Whatever uh, well Yeah that train Will get you some places but So uh alright Tell me more about uh Like the we talked a little bit about Rain's Law Room, the original one, then you opened the second one, you started out doing really just holding holding it down with classic cocktails, right?
3: Yeah. So when Rains opened it was a small menu, first of all, it was ten drinks. Very classic focused. Which for us, you know, like I was saying to you earlier, we opened in two thousand nine, pretty under the radar, like no press. You were just there all
2: of a sudden. We didn't crazy.
3: put anyone's name on the bar or anything like that. Um, it wasn't related to another bar necessarily. It was like, you know, Sasha's style but not a direct, direct descendant. And for us that really let us like work it out, like working in this weird space at this tiny bar, also like getting the drinks down pat so they were perfect. You know, we did a ton of training before and also like during. I would go to Milk and Honey every Sunday night and sit with Mickey and Sammy and be like, What do I not know yet? You know, I wanna know all the drinks. And before we got to like putting our own drinks and own recipes on the menu, because it's just so important to have that basis, and it comes a lot slower than people might think. So it just got us really good on the classics. It got us really good with the guests and how to ex- execute these drinks and make them faster as we were busier and build relationships with people, and then you know make the menu evolve later on. Which we were in it for the long run. We have a long lease. You know we want to be there, so. We knew we didn't have to do it in the first two weeks that we were open,
2: sure, yeah, you know it's so important to learn classics. I think what over the past like six or seven years, maybe well, I would say about like six or seven years ago, or maybe even longer, it seemed like everyone had just abandoned the classics, like people knew them, but then there there was just this huge pop where every place was doing proprietary drinks. And there were a lot of places opening and the pool was pretty shallow for hiring bartenders and so you could go into a place and you could have their great house cocktails but then there are certain I don't know there's like certain ones like like a Frisco or a Toronto that you could order and it's like a very simple drink and the bartenders might not know how to make it you know?
3: And sometimes that's all you want is like you have a big dinner and like you want to have one more on the way home and it's probably like a negroni or manhattan yeah. and when you get a disappointing one or someone that doesn't know what it is it's it's like sad this was like the cap off to my evening and yeah you know it's gone downhill and people you know especially in new york we get so many people traveling and they have drinks that they like they don't necessarily take house drinks from every bar sure so you have to have that staple that people can rely on
2: yeah and it doesn't have it overnight like you said there's it takes a long time to learn all these classics and there's like like we were talking about before uh, which we'll talk about in the second half of the uh show about how when you're setting up the bennett and someone ordered a margarita and you were like oh shit
3: i didn't (laughs) order (laughs) (laughs) Quattro
2: but it's stuff like that it's like there there are certain classics where if you throw it at me I, you know, there can be certain things I'm like, oh shit, I've heard that name a billion times, but I can't remember what's in it now or or I didn't really have an experience with it, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's really, I think to me, the most important thing is like having the experience.
3: Yeah. You should have some reference point for a lot of classics, not just 10 or 12.
2: Yeah. Like you can never sell a special of the day if you haven't tasted it, you know, but uh, (laughs) let's uh, God, now I'm hungry again. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue speaking with Megan Norman back in a moment.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Fire Cider added whole raw certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Firesider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Firesider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit Firesider.com.
4: Hi, this is Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. And you know, I remember my very first show. December 2009, it was a cold winter, and my first guest was William Grimes from the New York Times. Now, the one specific I had to tell him was, wear a hat, gloves, and a warm coat, because our studio had no heat. We had no heat in the winter, we had no air conditioning in the summertime, it was rough going, but we were a startup, and we had a good show, regardless of the fact that we could see our breath. So today, we still have hurdles to climb over, and the only way we can get there is with your help. So if you would please consider being a member and press that little beating heart button in the upper right-hand corner to donate. It's going to help us have heat and electricity and air conditioning and really good sound with really great guests. Thanks for listening.
2: And we're back. You are listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And today my guest is the lovely Megan Dorman. And we were speaking before the break, um, about getting started, getting things going.
3: Opening bars. Opening bars.
2: <laughs> maybe forgetting an ingredient here and there. I I always
3: if you're a good bartender, you can just play it off. You
2: know? Yeah, you, you can you can figure it out. Certain things like on, you're like, ah,
3: how about a Tommy's
2: margarita? You know, like
3: I've got agave, got some oranges.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, the the one that I always forget, and it just sucks. Like there are like a few of them. I always forget to stock cassis. um,
3: So you get that first cure Royale.
2: So yeah, and but then you're like you're so like it's such a bummer for someone to order one because it's a two ingredient drink and
3: you, you could you, you can, should literally be able to get it everywhere.
2: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um yeah you could, uh, dive bar you can mm-hmm. get that but that one uh grenadine cuz I've never really liked pomegranate and then I don't know it's just I don't, I don't know something about it I'm not into it not that not that into it anyway uh and then yeah something like like I didn't have uh what the hell was it um uh, oh I didn't have Saint Germain uh at one point and I had like like a wedding party come in it's not it's not Oops. that i didn't stock it before it's just that i was out of it and this whole huge wedding party comes in and they all wanted the saint germain cocktail and it was just like oh shit <laughs> but that you know that happens you focus when you you know this the bennett's a lot different from the way you started reigns because with Rains it was super classic and you stock the bar appropriately with the bennett you're extremely focused on your cocktail menu and everything else is just,
3: you've got blinders to Yeah. I had a list of some classics and of course the menu and some popular drinks that rains in dear Irving. And somehow a few things slipped off that list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It's totally cool. Um, well, let's back up a little bit and talk about dear Irving a little bit. Cause the room is crazy. If, if the listeners haven't been there, it's, it's wild. It's, it's like a, it's a, it's traveling through time man
3: yeah it's it's supposed to feel magical as soon as you walk in so the first entrance has these cool ticket um or light bulbs that feel like a old ticket booth uh Mm -hmm. kind of thing and then it is like a time travel experience it's based on um a woody allen movie i can't remember the name right now (laughs) um Anyway, it's supposed to feel like time travel. So you start in the 1960s, like Mad Men era. You go through this kind of Art Deco, Scott Fitzgerald. Then a little more traditional, what you'd expect from a bar, kind of dark wood and colonial and brick and red velvet. And then the back room, which we can use for service um, and we can open it, you know, for or we can do private parties and little birthday parties and stuff, is Marie Antoinette, like, very Versailles, very, like, higher ceilings than the rest, this big chandelier,
2: yeah.
3: cheeky wallpaper, just, like, rain. So it's like a sister bar, but it's quite different.
2: And, in like, uh, crazy mirrors, too. Yeah. You're not sure <laughs> if it's,
3: like, the drinks or the mirrors, but it's oh, the man. mirrors.
2: <laughs> it's such a cool room. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just, you know, even from, like, the... From the customer point of view, like I, like, the first time I went in there... I like just tripped out. It's like this is just the, the most insane like space I've seen. Yeah, ever.
3: the idea is like just like the movie that there might be an era that you're more kin to than actual. Sure. 2015 or 2016.
2: Do do people request certain areas of the room to? Yeah, like, when they definitely get especially if they've been
3: there more than once, either they'll request to sit in a different area or they have a favorite, which is cool too.
2: Like I want to sit in the disco room. Yeah. Or the deco room. That's that's really badass. Um. It's also a trip to sit, like, because it splits right in the middle of the bar.
3: Yeah, if you're at the bar, you can sit in two different eras.
2: It's so crazy. And what's cool about the bar from, like, from the professional point of view is that right there, that split, there's, there's a doorway that goes into it and then splits in both directions. So, like, typically, like, with bars, you've got, like, an entrance on one end and everyone's running into each other running back and forth so i I, I don't know from from a service standpoint and working you know like working in a space like that it's really cool it makes, makes sense to go in and then split off and then there's a service pickup on each end so it's just i don't know it's it's a really well thought out bar setup
3: yeah especially with the service i think because it makes both bartenders responsible for not only seats in front of them because Although some people love to do the service bars, Sometimes you're like, I'm on service yeah. bar. I don't get to talk to anyone. Uh-huh. So you get a few people you're responsible for. You get half of the building. You get a few seats. You're responsible. For, you're responsible for the other half of the building. It's the really bar fun. back can go to either side. Not that it doesn't get tight, but it works better than a lot of places.
2: I think it, and it's just so, I think it's awesome. Like, I think one of my favorite chef quotes is from the Franks. And they said, you know, no, there should be no walls. And, you know, that's something we did with Grand Army is we put the kitchen and the bar together. And so there's no separation of the front and back of the house. But with with that setup, there's no service in point. It's like you're doing both. Yeah. I think that's really cool. There's no hiding. There, there,
3: that's true. There's no you can't hiding. can't hide
2: in the hiding hole. Sometimes you
3: put your head in the kitchen. You're like, does everyone have to be here right now? No.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a really beautiful space uh, in Union Square. But you are... A week into the Bennett. the Bennett, yeah. So tell me about that now. <laughs> uh, You've got so many, like we could do several shows with you. There's just too much to talk about, but uh, but we're we got today right now.
3: We got today. So we'll... Yes. Yeah, so the Bennett is brand new. It's uh, 134 West Broadway between Dwayne and Thomas. um We took over a space from Petite Bay, which was a Belgian restaurant in the neighborhood. A couple of the partners were involved there. They have a long lease. Same kind of thing, like long-term vision. Had an opportunity on this space. Uh, the name comes from a classic cocktail, early 1900s. It's a gimlet variation with Angostura. Pretty simple. But some of our first regulars at Rain's Law Room, we nicknamed the Bennetts because that's all they drink. So for me, going into a new project, it was like good juju to bring along and finding our new regulars in a new neighborhood.
2: Yeah. It's a great drink. But, you know, it's, it's funny what... I mean... It's funny what some angostura bitters bitters will do, and exactly. uh, and uh, classic, you know, giblet or anything really. Yeah, um, iced tea, for instance. It's great bartender salt and pepper. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a cool cocktail. Um, I I haven't seen the space yet, but I can imagine with with rains and with Dear Irving that it's probably very. A very, very beautiful space.
3: It's a lot more, like, sleek and contemporary, but still, like, cozy, it's dark. There's, like, little sexy places to hang out if you're on a date. We have the service lights, like we do at all the bars. So, you know, you just kind of tell us when you need something. Uh, Ten seats at the bar, two stations, similar to Deer Irving, but a little smaller. It's one room. You can see the whole thing. You can walk in right off the street, which is different for us. Either you go down the stairs or up the stairs at the other bars, and this one's just right there. So... Yeah. That's unique.
2: <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, the service lights, explain that to the listeners.
3: So they were. the idea was born at Rain's Law Room because it was Victorian style, which was these based on Victorian service bells. So there are these little lights, and each table has one, and they light up at the table and behind the bar. And the idea is that you just tell us when you need something. You know, you'll get water and a menu, of course, and you can... And then you tell us when you're ready to order. You tell us when you're ready for something else or if you have a question... And we, you know, we walk the line of checking in on you, but the idea is like we don't push you. We yeah. give you more real it's estate so cool. than a lot of places do. You know, you come with your company and you enjoy it, and we're here when you need us.
2: Dude, I, I, it's I don't get annoyed by the like the drop by the table, ask if everyone's cool thing when I'm a customer, but I hate doing that at the bar. I just feel like I'm intruding a lot of yeah. times, you know especially like if someone's on a date it's like I don't want to go over and be like hey you guys okay sorry you need just, to just me
3: again <laughs> just me again. hey hey over here
2: yeah that's it's like the worst especially you can tell you can tell when someone's like on a Tinder date or like a first date or something you know it's you don't want to bother them.
3: yeah as long as they have a water and a drink we pretty much leave you alone no yeah. matter how long it takes you to drink that or consume that or <laughs> yeah yeah it's
2: such a nice service <laughs> <laughs> So, the Bennett, tell me about the uh, the menu setup.
3: So, the menu setup is uh, a few house drinks, eight drinks, and then based inspired by the Tribeca Film Festival in that neighborhood, we did eight audience awards, which are a couple of classics that our regulars love and a couple of drinks that have either been on the menu at some point at Rains or Dear Irving that people have a specific attachment to. So, it also let me, you know, like kind of check in with our regulars and be like, what did you love? Like, what would you like to see again? And it tells me, A, what people like, but B, like, maybe they'll come check out the Bennett because, like, their drink is here and we have that relationship. And I got to have a fun Negroni meeting with one of our regulars who only drinks Negronis. And I was like, all right, pick out your favorite. This is some different gin, some different vermouth. Like, let's not just drink it because it is. Like, let's find the best one. And, like, that was fun for him to get involved, you that's, know?
2: That's amazing. And that's something that he's going to be into and, like, remember forever, you Yeah, know? That's really cool. You know, there's... You know, the Death & Company book has a whole, like, little thing every once in a while it pops up, and it's their regulars, you know? And, like, who, like a little bio on some of their regular customers, and it's, like, what they drink and, like, what they do.
3: Yeah, and, and it's, it's, like, it's it's awesome, f- and I think with cocktail bars, sometimes we get carried away with, like, the press we want to do or people that come in from out of town. When Like, who keeps you in business? Like, the people that come yeah. once week or once a day or what you know it's different every neighborhood but it's your regulars that keep the lights on
1: yeah
2: and
3: makes it more fun for the staff you know totally you want to have people that you see all the time
2: yeah i we've definitely gotten to a point now where our cocktail bars can be a place where you can feel like a regular and be a regular yeah and not feel like you have to like have a reservation right and all that stuff so it's a really cool cool thing that you've got going now i like it you've been so busy (laughs) um and i i just i i look up to you a lot i think you're i think you're a lovely person you always have a cool head and you've always got something else going on it's amazing you're really you're really good at. i'm gonna have to like you're gonna have to have a meeting with me to teach me how to do it because i suck at it real bad <laughs> but, i'm just playing it cool <laughs> it's all cool man um but i can't wait to come by the bennett excited to have you. Yeah, really excited to see it. And I'm really glad we finally got you in the station to talk shop.
3: Let's do it again.
2: Yeah, can't wait. All right. You've been listening to the Speakeasy. Megan Dorman, go check her out at Dear Irving, Rain's Law Room, Rain's Law Room again, and now the Bennett, which just opened in Tribeca a week ago. Uh, I can't wait to check it out. And can't wait to have you back in the studio. And that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check into Heritage Radio Network for many, many, many other programs just like this one. Make it. Cheers.
1: Thanks.
3: Thanks for listening to this program on Radio Network.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network.